and welcome back to Kyle's Eternal Monologue. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the Babylon 5 Season 5 episode, A View from the Gallery. Uh, or as I like to say it, A Day in the Life of Mac and Bo. Uh, or The Strange Adventures of Mac and Bo. Uh, this is a fun little episode, uh, and it's very much in the style of uh, a Lower Decks type episode. And I know because I live in 2021, uh, Lower Decks is now an actual TV show uh, in the Star Trek franchise, but uh, it is very different in tone to what I'm referring to. So uh, Lower Decks is an episode from Season 7 of Star Trek The Next Generation, which was intended to be an ordinary episode of uh, TNG, but none of the main characters are the focus. Uh, it's these side characters, these people from the lower decks, because, you know, the, the Enterprise-D has hundreds and hundreds of people on board, not just the main characters, uh, and what life is like for them as they weave in, in and out of the lives of the main characters of the show. And this is quite a common tactic in uh, certain writing. Uh, I, it's quite popular in comic books especially, uh, there's a, uh, issue of the question, uh, in Denny O'Neill's run, uh, so the question issue five, it's entitled Cityscape by, uh, uh by Denny O'Neill, uh, and Dennis Cowan, and the general sense is, uh, to go to various citizens of Hub City and observe what Vic did, uh, in the, in the previous four issues, how that affected their lives. Uh, and there's also an issue of Daredevil. I don't remember what exact issue it is, but it's in the second volume during the Marvel Knights era, uh, during David Mack's run. It's, uh, the arc that introduces Echo. Um, Matt and Echo are in this big, massive battle, uh, and then there's an issue in between that battle, which is you, uh, Matt and Echo are not the major focuses. Instead, it's the normal citizens of Hell's Kitchen watching, you know, the battle unfold and how they're coping with it. I really like these kind of episodes. They don't really have much to do with anything um, as far as plot and uh in character arc and whatnot uh as far as the main characters but it provides a new perspective and when one of your main stories in this series is about understanding as a three-edged sword learning to to respect and understand new perspectives i think it's important to convey that uh from a storytelling perspective as well and that is what we have here uh with mac and Bo going about their normal day getting interrupted and uh bumping into the main characters uh one could argue that this is lesser uh because uh uh, B5 is famous for its, you know, very well, well-to-do, uh, serialized narrative and, uh, consistent continuity, uh, and is one of the first American TV shows to do such a thing, uh, and, yeah, certainly, but that doesn't mean that taking a break from that is a bad thing, it depends how it's done, if it's something like, you know, uh, you know, Infection or Grey 17 is missing, uh, episodes that I didn't particularly care for, I thought it was meh, or even TKO. It feels kind of just out of nowhere and strange and weird, uh, and here, it doesn't feel that way. 
Uh, I, I can't explain on a technical level why, because if you looked at it from a purely um, technical skill level of writing and the structure of writing, you know, they come out similar. But when it comes to uh, subjective opinion and understanding uh, of this world and these characters and enjoyment factor feels very different. Uh, and there's a lot of little moments in this episode that are just spectacular. And, uh, like, the, you know, when we get introduced to Mac and Bo, they're, 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 they're using that, that machine that goes across the ground. And, like, what exactly does it do? It's supposed to, you, well, you click it and then you move it and the floor gets cleaner. But it's not any cleaner. Uh, you know, it's, it's making fun of a lot of things. There's there's a lot of like small like world building questions answered of why don't they just shut down the jump gates or whatever? Uh, why is there explosions in space? Uh, and and it, it's kind of making fun of it on a meta level of yes, we're a TV show. Yes, we're science fiction. Yes, we don't always obey the laws of science. Let's have some fun here. Uh, and it, it's poking fun of and purely tongue-in-cheek of itself um and i like that it's acknowledging hey th this show uh you know is very self-serious but let's let's look at the some absurdities in it okay because this is ultimately a show about you know uh you know uh humans and aliens getting along you know it it's not exactly all about uh, dark and dreary times, even though it is, it doesn't always have to be. Uh, and and I, re I really just like the way it just provides a meta commentary on all of B5 with these little moments. Uh, and it will take a break from this meta commentary to occasionally get into some pretty interesting stuff. Uh, for instance, uh, the, uh, the why what scene, uh, with Franklin, where Franklin d talks about how he decided to become a doctor, uh, and the line between, uh, uh, you know, duty, morality, and taking a side, and how that conflicts with being a doctor, uh, in a time of war, and how his dad just expected him to become military, which is something we knew from way back when, uh, and we, we've seen how contentious his relationship with his dad is, but ultimately they do care about each other. Uh, and uh, we see that his dad inadvertently ended up in a situation that made him become a doctor. The very thing that he was upset about, he caused. And it, it's sort of this interesting roundabout way. And I like how, you know, Franklin went into the job knowing that the line is going to be very hard to, uh, you know to keep you know to keep balanced because that doctor that saved his father in the civil war was shot as a traitor he, he went in knowing the cost but he did it in any way because he felt like it was his moral responsibility to help to heal that life is sacred and it must be respected and i think that that's a brilliant scene quite frankly, 
uh, and uh, is really insightful to exactly who Franklin is. This is always who he's been. He's always been the optimist. I talked about that, I think, back in Soul Hunter, uh, when he, uh, uh, during that funeral scene, uh, you know, the difference between him and Ivanova as the optimist versus the pessimist. And so to see someone, you know, get awakened to their true career, the true life path, as a result of having the worldview confirmed, I think is interesting. Uh, and then there's, you know, of course, commentary on why Ivanova left, and you could tell it's JMS saying, hey, stop your fan theory, stop your rumor mill, doesn't fucking matter, let's move on, she's gone, Lockley's cool, deal with it. Uh, which is ultimately the point of that, that scene near the end of, uh, you know, Mac going to uh, Lockley and saying, you're good in my book. It's to say, hey, audience, Ivanova ain't coming back. Deal with it. Come here. Get, get used to this new character. She's pretty cool when you get to know her. Uh, the encounter with Byron is also very interesting because we simultaneously see the dark side and the light side of Byron that, you know, he's holding the helmet of one of these, like, you know, aliens. We never get their name. They actually have a pretty interesting design, like sort of a, a red bucket type head and a red cloak. Um be interesting to know what they were but i don't i don't remember them being named and they're just sort of uh you know monster of the week type thing which can be a negative or a positive depending on how it's used i think it is a positive here uh that he's holding this helmet and he's really like obsessed with uh how the he could sense this guy die and you know everything that he ever was and all his thoughts and all his feelings and all his emotions and it is the reverse of how lita felt you know lita was appalled by what she had to endure going to someone's mind who was dying byron was invigorated think about that for a second uh that is a really dark sentiment but then at the same time no matter how much he holds mundanes in contempt for what they have done to his people Bo, the only like one out of the two mac is a bit uncomfortable with the telepaths Bo doesn't really show any kind of uh contempt towards the telepaths he just knows that the telepaths uh, he gifts Bo with the experience of being able to be in a fighter pilot because he said he wanted to be out there helping. And that, that sort of awakens in Bo the understanding that I'm safer where I am here. I, I, I am performing a duty that allows those people to save us, uh, but I maybe don't have what it requires to be out there. But thank you for the experience of allowing me to understand this and come to terms with my inability. And that is a very, very light moment, a very, very good scene with Byron, because it it shows that deep down, no matter how much contempt he holds for the mundanes, no matter how much he has been oppressed and uh, is is in many ways fanatical as a result, he still cares. And how this will be turned against him is really sad and adds to the tragedy of the character. And of course, that uh, the scene directly after the conversation with Londo Jakar, I really like how it really shows how they ebb and weave around each other and parallel each other in microcosm. You know, 
uh, for uh, for Jakar, this is home because he grew up in bomb shelters, uh, and for Londo, you know, he was he never grew up; he just grew old. You know, he was just he was always had responsibilities. He always had stuff to do. He couldn't be a child. Uh, and it shows how both Lanto and Jakar came from oppressive societies, two very different kinds of oppression, but still oppression nonetheless. Uh, Jakar's, uh, you know, version of oppression is your very classic oppression of a, another, an, another being squashing you down because they believe you're lesser, taking away your rights, your freedom, you know, treating you miserably. Londo's is, he comes from a society that expects certain things out of you. And so there was no chance for him to really live a life. He was told, go do this and you're going to do that for the rest of your life. Because he was born into a, a family of importance in the Centaurum. Uh, you know, you know, especially like if you look at feudal systems of, uh, you know, male heirs, uh, e even female heirs had, you know, obligations. Yes, they lived a more privileged, you know, uh, life than your ordinary peasant, but they still had these responsibilities that took away bits of their freedom, their life, their choices, uh, in in a small, um, more insignificant way, but still there, they were oppressed from being who they truly are. Uh, and I, I like how Londo is uncomfortable in talking with this, and so he leaves, and it's a it's really nice scene that shows the camaraderie between Londo and Shakar is both sad and poignant, but also shows just how far they have come in their respective arcs. I also like the joke right after of, hey, gee, how long do you think they've been married? Uh, it's a great joke, but also it's a nice callback to Parliament of Dreams uh, with the renewal ceremony being, uh, you know, can be treated as a marriage ceremony. And Sinclair saying, I didn't think uh, uh, Londo was Chikar's type. You know, uh, so it, it, it's a nice little joke and jab back at that from season one. Um, and I also like how when they bump into Delenn, uh, Delenn is the one that pays the most attention to them, shows them the most respect, and ultimately is the only one that really remembers them, uh, throughout the entire episode. Uh, and that is very in keeping, like, as, as she says, worker cast. They, they are, uh, the people that was forgotten in her society, so she is trying to ensure that they are not forgotten here. Uh, and I, you know, the, just the... Her, her insistence on wanting to bring uh, a more personal feeling and a and a uh, more fair feeling to the universe uh, in that way she is uh, taking it upon herself to uh, pay attention to those who were seen as lesser and this has always been something that she's done uh, and we, we can see that here and I, I just really like how they be they become kind of infatuated with her because she's the only one that really just you know respects them in the way that they should be respected that they do these jobs to keep everything running so that everyone else can do their jobs and save everyone's asses and you know they can live to fight another day uh if it wasn't for them the other people couldn't do their jobs you know the main characters couldn't win the battles uh, and so they are necessary uh, at the end of the day, and you know that 
that is ultimately the point of this episode is it's just a normal day in the life of Babylon 5. And that Babylon 5 goes through, you know, hell of a lot of trouble. There's even a, a line about that of uh, the, the God will never give you more than you can handle. And, you know, B5 being a place of cooperation. You know, you have to grow bigger so uh, sh shoulders because you've got to carry the weight of other people, but they can help you out too. Um, you know, this is what B5 is about is, you know, cooperation and even how the smallest of actions can have the greatest of impacts. Uh, and so this is an ordinary day in the life of Babylon 5. And these, this is an ordinary day in the life of Mac and Bo. But we, the audience, have never seen it. So we get to see it now. Uh, it's a nice little episode. It doesn't really have much in the way of big plot revelations or character arcs. But sometimes that can be a good thing. Uh, I have a soft spot for Lower Decks type episodes, uh, and so uh, there is, there's a sense that, you know, I should be complaining about its lack of continuity or it's uh, the A-plot, B-plot type thing or that I, that I go on about on a lot of the standalone episodes in uh, Season 1 or even some of the more annoying ones in Season 2 and 3, uh, but it doesn't matter ultimately here because that... It, this was Harlan Ellison, the creative consultant on the show and good friend of uh, JMS at the time. And, uh, you know, he sadly passed away. Um, is that, uh, you know, it was his idea that JMS should do something that with the boots on the ground. Just the ordinary people going about their day, what life is like. Because this is a station with a quarter million humans and aliens on it, not just our main characters. Um... So let, let's focus on them, see what their life is like. Uh, and I think that was a good idea. Uh, it, it's not significant, it's not important, but I think that's the point. And the, the big alien threat that is unnamed and seems to be massive will never be mentioned again, which could be a flaw, really. Um, but... I don't really see it as that because it just we needed something that provided enough impetus to get Bo and Mac uh, flowing through what would be normal scenes in B5. That's how the camera even goes is that it focuses on Mac and Bo flowing through a scene and then the camera will move and will focus in what would be the normal shot of a B5 episode. And then we would, and then it moves back to Mac and Bo, who are separate from that action. Uh, so this is a very good episode. It's very nice. It's very simple, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, provides a lot of great meta commentary, uh, and I think is a very very strong episode, even if it is not connected to any of the continuity or the uh, serialized narrative that is the heart of B five. Uh, because these characters are are interesting when viewed from another lens. We know them very, very, very well at this point. We've been with them for five seasons. So to see them from the outside adds a new lens to that, I think. Anyway, see you next time. Bye. Bye.